Welcome to the Old Time Radio Hour on Sid Valley Radio. This is Sid Valley Radio. This week on the Old Time Radio Hour, we'll be listening to a half-hour adventure show, followed by a 30-minute variety program. So, just sit back and relax as we revisit the truly golden age of radio. Out of the fog, out of the night, and into his American adventures comes Bulldog Drummond. Once a year, there comes into every man's life even a detective's, the time when he recaptures the spirit of his boyhood. Hurry, hurry, hurry! This way to the main entrance to the big top! This is the time when the greatest show on earth, the circus, has come to town. In the magic wonderland of a sawdust earth and a canvas sky, the years roll back to the springtime of life. And thus it was that Denny and I were on the midway headed for the big top, We came to the circus in our yearly search for the thrills of lost youth. But we found murder. Captain Drummond, uh, just a moment, please. What now, Denny? That popcorn stand over there. We still have ample time for the main show. Again? Denny, you're worse than a child. Three hot dogs, two ice cream cones, four bags of peanuts. Only two bags for myself, sir. I shared them with the elephants. Very well. Two bags of peanuts. And now popcorn. Denny, you'll get sick just like a child who overeats during his day at the circus. Oh, good, sir. Then I'll feel like a child again. Oh, well, what's the use? Very well. Popcorn it'll be. Now, really, sir. Oh, I say. I'm sorry. Well, young lady, I suggest that you watch where you're going. You nearly knocked me. I'm sorry. Apparently, this is your pocketbook. Uh, Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Come along, Denny. Just a minute, please. Yes? Would you do me a favor? What? A very special favor. It's terribly important. Why do you keep looking around? Please don't ask me questions now. Just put your arms around me quickly. What? Now, look here, young lady. Put your arms around me. He's coming this way. Please, please. Uh, uh, All right. Uh, Like this? Yes. Really, sir. Hold me closer. Here he comes. Closer? Yes, please. You mustn't see me. Like this? Yes. Be careful, sir. She you might... trust me, honestly. It'll only be for a moment. Well, frankly, it's a rather pleasant moment. Captain Drummond, to say the least, this is quite unusual. To say the least, it is, Denny. It is. Uh, am I holding you too tightly, Miss... Um... No. I didn't get your name. Please, you mustn't ask me questions. I warn you, sir. She's up to something. He's gone. You can let me go now. Oh, I'm sorry. I... I was carried away with my work. I don't know how to thank you. Uh, perhaps I could pay you for your trouble. Oh, no, thank you. The pleasure was mine. Uh, you've been very kind. Goodbye. She's running off, sir. Quick, we must follow her. No, no, just a minute, Penny. But, sir, she may have... She may have what? Well, I don't know, but a young lady just doesn't ask a stranger to embrace her unless she's up to something. Or in trouble. 
which is apparently the case in which Miss X has found herself. Oh, and now she's disappeared into the crowd and we know nothing about her. Perhaps we can find out something. How? By looking for the needle in the haystack? No, Denny, by looking for the man who pursued Miss X through the crowd here. And where do you expect to find him? About 20 feet from the spot where we're standing. What? Come along. He's right over there, still looking for Miss X. There, you see, that circus attendant, he's the one. How do you know, sir? Because our young lady in distress fairly shuddered in my arms when he passed by. Now, I'll do the talking, Denny. Yes, sir. Uh, Pardon me? Yeah? Are you looking for someone? What's it to you? I can help you. Go on, beat it. You're looking for a young lady. I'd say she's about 25, blonde, very attractive. Say, how do you know? Knowing things is my business. Where is she? Why? Because it's important. To whom? Now listen, I gotta find her and find her quick, so come on, give. As soon as you tell me why you're finding her is so important. Because, nosy, that dame is Marion Mars of the Flying Marses, the Star Trapeze Act in this circus. The act goes on in 15 minutes, and we've been trying to find her. Now tell me, where is she? I don't know. What? Say, bud, what are you giving me? The last time I saw the young lady, she was headed for the big tent. Get out of my way. I gotta find that thing before I lose my job. So, our mysterious Miss X is Marion Morris, Denny. Of the flying Morrises. And she certainly had us up in the air. Quite. But now that we're down to earth again, we're going to look her up. Good, good. Frankly, sir, I'm curious as to why she was hiding from that man. And, Denny, I am especially curious as to this. Why, sir, it's a gun. Where did you get it? While I was doing Marion Morris the favor of uh, embracing her, she slipped this revolver into my topcoat pocket. There's their dressing room wagon, Denny. The Flying Morrises, Continental Death-Defying Aerialists. Come on. Oh, why must these things always happen to us? Now we'll miss the main show and all the circus excitement. We still have ten minutes. Besides, I have a feeling we're in for some private excitement outside the sawdust rings. Here's the wagon. Yes? We're looking for Marion Morris. What do you want? Oh, it's a personal matter. I should like to see her alone. Uh, she not here. What you want from Marion? I said it was a personal matter. When did you see her last? I do not answer strangers' questions. Well, you'd better answer ours if you know what's good for you. This gentleman is Captain Hugh Drummond. You are police? Semi-officially. Now... Uh, Marion would do nothing wrong. She's a good girl. I bring her up since time she was so big. I, Santos Gomez, teach her always to do right. Please... You tell me why you here? First, where is Marion now? She in main tent with Paul. Paul? Yes, her husband and Chris Adams. The three of them. They are the great flying Morrises. Uh, they do their act in five minutes. Please, now you tell me what kind of trouble Marion in. I didn't say she was in trouble. But from the looks of things, she's headed straight for it. What do you mean? This revolver. Where? Where do you get it? You recognize it? I know someday it bring trouble. Gun bring only disaster. I tell him only wicked man have need of gun. I tell him. This revolver isn't Marion's. No, no. Marion is good girl. He make trouble. 
He have gone to kill. I know. Come on, come on. Who is he supposed to be? If this revolver isn't Marion's, whose is it? That gun is his. Her husband, Paul. I tell him gun only make trouble. Here. Give me your hand, Marion. I'll help you up. Come on. That's it. Chris Adams, the gallant young man on the flying trapeze. I was just being helpful. You're too helpful, Adams. I don't like it. I told you a hundred times, Marion's my wife. Then why don't you treat her decently as a wife should be? And I don't like your concern about my manners toward my wife. Now listen, you... Oh, Chris, please, not now. And where were you two before showtime? I know you're sneaking off to meet each other. That's a lie. It's no use, Chris. You won't believe anything we say. Let's not argue now. Why, Mrs. Morris? Do you object to our audience below? This isn't part of the show. Can't we wait till later? There may not be later. One slip from up here and down and out goes one of us. This trio could very easily become a doubles act. I suppose that's occurred to you too many times, how simple it would be to get rid of me. Oh, stop it. Very well. Some fool once said the show must go on. But I've often wondered why. Happy flying Morrison. Let's get ready. May I have the rosin bag? My hands are damp. Of course. Here. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Now, how did that happen? Paul, you dropped that rosin bag purposely. Did I? Paul. Chris, he's trying to... Never mind, Mary, and this towel will do. Let's get going. Mustn't keep our audience waiting. Oh, by the way, Chris, I'll go first today. But what... You do my routine, including the double flip. Paul, you can't do that to Chris. I said he'll do the double flip. Chris hasn't done it in months. He might be killed. Yes. That's right, Marion, dear. If Chris does that double flip in my place, he might be killed. Paul, you can't do a thing like that. Well, here I go. So long and good luck, Chris. Chris. Don't worry, Marion. I can handle it. I don't know what's got into him. This is my last day with the act. It's better that way. He'll be back in a few seconds. It's my turn now. Careful. I'll be okay. Here he comes. <clears throat> All right, Chris, get into your act. Here goes nothing. True words were never spoken. Paul, you're trying to have Chris kill himself. Really, Marion, such concern. Oh, please, you must believe it. There's nothing between Chris and me. Of course. And you love me, don't you? Don't you love me? How could I? <laughs> There's your precious Chris. Now let's see how he comes out on the double flip. He made it! He made it! Yes, he made it. 
Well, now we can have that little talk later after all. I'll get up to the next platform. Give Chris my congratulations. Oh, well, I did it. Thank goodness. Ready for your swing? Yes. Ready now, Mary? Ready! There he goes. Now get set. I'm set. Marion, wait! Oh. Look! Oh! Oh! Paul! Oh! His trapeze is oh. broken! Chris, he can't hold on! Paul! I'll be back in a moment to continue our story. This is the Old Time Radio Hour on Sid Valley Radio. The greatest show on earth unfolds a drama packed with thrills and excitement. But on a trapeze platform 70 feet above the sawdust rings, a private drama went on. Result, a man is killed. Sandals. Sandals, it was, it was terrible. He, he didn't have a chance. He, he didn't. Oh, no, Marion, Marion. You, you must not cry like that, my child. He, he just didn't have a chance. I, I don't know how it happened. Now you listen to me. It was perhaps for the best, what? you know. Yes. He was wicked, and the wicked are punished. Oh, no. Santos, you mustn't. You mustn't say that. It's not... Ah, now, Marion, you, you, you must rest. You hear me? You rest. I will not let you be disturbed. You rest now. Yes? I should like to speak to Mrs. Morris. I will not let her be disturbed. Later you come back. Uh, who is it, Santos? Pardon me. Now wait. Uh, wait a minute. I say you come later, Marion. My sympathy, Mrs. Morris. You? What are you doing here? This man is Captain Drummond, Marion. Oh. Yes, he say that you put Paul's gun in his pocket. Mrs. Morris is quite aware of the details. Uh, Captain Drummond, I, uh, I can explain that. I, I wanted to get rid of that gun. I, I was afraid that my husband would... That your husband would what, Mrs. Morris? That he would kill Chris Adams with that gun. Captain Drummond, Paul was jealous. He, he was insanely jealous. And there was no reason for it. You must believe me, I... I had to get rid of that gun before something terrible happened. Marion, tell truth. I know. Oh, yes, undoubtedly. Yes, it, it is the truth. Captain Norman, it is. You you must believe it. I, I, you you leave Marion alone. She, she has great tragedy when her husband died in accident. But Paul Morris's death wasn't an accident. What are you saying? It, it wasn't an accident. Both ropes supporting his trapeze had been filed down to give way on the heavy strain. What you say? I say Paul Morris was the victim of a planned, deliberate murder. Over here, Denny. Over here. 
sign of Chris Evans anywhere, sir. I searched the entire circus area. What about you? No luck either. I've been spotting his dressing wagon over there for the past hour. He hasn't shown up. Denny, it's about time we had a look into that tent. Come on, we're through waiting. Well, in the vernacular, sir, Adams has taken it on the leg of mutton. On the lamb, Denny. Well, whatever it is, sir, he's gone. There's no doubt in my mind that he's the murderer. He's the one who filed those trapeze ropes. That's a valid possibility. Possibility? It's a certainty, sir. The motive is well established. He hated Paul Morris. So did Santos. And don't forget that Santos was in charge of packing and setting up the axe equipment. As a matter of fact, Denny, Mrs. Morris doesn't escape my suspicion either. But neither Santos nor Mrs. Morris ran away. That much is in their favor. Yes, that and nothing more. All right, come on in. We'll see what this dressing room has to offer. Uh, pull on that light over there. I say, sir, what if Adam should return and find us here? But, Denny, you're the one who's convinced he's flown the coop. Yes, but, you know, sir, just in case. Then his presence will be most welcome. In the meantime, let's have a look around. See what you can find in that trunk over there. I'll look into this one. Yes, sir. Nothing in here, sir. Nothing but his circus attire. Uh, there's a valise over there near the dressing table. Check on that. Well. What is it, sir? Come here, Denny. Look at this. Why, Captain Drummond. Is this what the well-equipped aerialist carries about? A carpenter's file. Well-equipped murderer is more like it. I told you all along, sir. Adams is the murderer. There's Exhibit A. So it seems. Don't move. You're both what? covered. Why, sir, is I that... I said don't move. It's the circus attendant who pursued Mrs. Morris through the crowd this evening. So it is. You know, Denny, we've quite forgotten to take this gentleman into consideration. All right, cut the jabber, you two. What are you doing here? We might ask you the same question. Yeah, you might. Only me and this shooter asking the questions. Hey... What's that you got in your hands? As if the gentleman didn't know, Denny. Cut the act. What is it? A carpenter's file. And a murder weapon. Murder weapon? The gentleman appears genuinely surprised. Come on, give. If you insist, this file was evidently used in bringing about the death of Paul Morris this evening. And you found it here in Adam's tent? That's the general idea. Hey... What are you two doing mixed up in this business? The name is Drummond. I specialize in this type of business. Your name's what? Captain Drummond. And I'm Denny. Well, why didn't you say so? You didn't ask. Does it make any difference? <laughs> oh, it doesn't make any difference. I'm telling this guy Adams myself for the Acme Insurance Company. Name's Al Monahan. You're a detective. Yeah. This guy Adams had a trapeze act with a dame in another show last year. The dame's a nice kid named Evelyn Roberts. So one night, Evelyn takes a 60-foot dive and she's out of this world. To the cops, everything looks legit. And Adams collects the insurance on the act. But Acme don't like the way the case smells, so they retain me to bloodhound Adams, which I do. 
So Adams ties up with the Morrises and... I told you, sir. Adams was the killer. Go on, Monaghan. So he ties up with the Morrises. The way I see it, he makes a play for the dame, which ain't hard on account of she ain't so hot for a ball and chain anyway. So Adams is in solid. Morris takes a nosedive thanks to Adams. The dame knows from nothing... And Adams works her for a grab of the insurance, though. Well, aren't you going to tell Mrs. Morris? Ah, you crazy. The dame's in love with a guy. She might even give him the tip off. No, I just sit and wait for Adams. I say, imagine that, sir. He expects to capture a killer just by sitting and waiting. Sure, it's easy. I keep an open eye on the dame. Now she's the cheese in my trap. Adams is hungry for that insurance, though, and when she gets it, the rat comes out of his hole for the nibble, and Monahan's got him. Take the car around back to the garage, Danny. I'll go up to the apartment a while. Yes, sir. Captain Drummond. Adams. I thought you'd never get here. I've been waiting outside your house for hours. And I've been looking for you. I know it, but it had to be this way. I've got to talk to you. All right, you can talk to me down at police headquarters. No, you don't understand. You've got to help me. The way you helped Paul Morris? Believe me, I had nothing to do with it. Oh, yes, yes, it was an accident. Like Evelyn Roberts' death. Evelyn? I know all about it. Evelyn's death was an accident. I was completely exonerated. It won't be that simple this time. Now you're up against an open and shut case of murder. But I don't... With evidence complete, down to the murder weapon. The carpenter's file found in your trunk. But that's impossible. Don't you see? That murder wasn't planned for Paul Morris. What? Paul made me switch parts with him tonight. He was doing my routine. I perform on the upper trapeze. That murder was planned for me. Now, Adams, you understand what you're supposed to do? Yes. I'm to walk in as if I knew nothing. I'm to play for time. Right. And play it to the hilt. Thank you, sir. I don't understand all this, letting Mr. Adams walk into a trap, probably to certain death. He'll be protected. May I ask how? You'll see, Denny. Oh, really, sir? It's as if you didn't trust me. Why, Denny? Well, it's true. And that telegram you received this morning, you were secretive about that, too. Denny, you'll learn everything in due time, if things work out to my expectations. Please, sir, do you mind giving Mr. Adams and me just a slight idea of what you expect to happen? I'm borrowing from the detective Monaghan. But it's obvious now that Monaghan's conclusions were wrong. Oh, it's not his conclusions. It's his method of trapping the killer that appeals to me. I think it'll work out. At any rate, we'll soon find out. Here's Marion Morris's dressing wagon. Adams, you go first. All right. Yes, come in. Chris! Hello, Marion. Chris, where have you been? Oh, Captain Drummond. We came along. I have some news for you. You found my husband's murderer. I knew Chris didn't do it. I, I knew it. Where is Santos? Oh, no, 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 it, it isn't. Santos, he wouldn't... I suggest that you answer Captain Drummond's question. Where is he? Why, he's packing our equipment away. 
Shall I get him, sir? In a moment, dear. Oh, Santos didn't do it. Please, please believe me, he wouldn't. Then perhaps you, Mrs. Morris. Me? Kill my husband? Now, sir, we've got her dead to rights. She's lying. Marion, you knew that I was to use the upper trapeze. That your husband switched routines at the last minute. Switched routines? Yes, and you knew it. Stop acting, Mrs. Morris. Paul switched routines with Chris. Yes. Yes, that's right. Paul did switch routines with Chris. Marion, you wanted to kill me. No. No, Chris, no, I... Captain Drummond, what was that? My expectations. Come on, Denny, you two wait here. Captain Drummond, I have him. Why, sir, it's Santos and Monaghan. Good work, Santos. Drummond, I should have knocked you off last night. Why, then, sir, it was Monaghan all the time. He tried to kill, like you say, Captain Drummond. I stopped him in time. I grab gun, the shot, it go into the air. You can let him go now, Santos. I have him covered. But, sir, whom was he shooting at? Chris Adams. Yeah, and I would have gotten him if By you... By the had... way, Monaghan, your sleuth act went well. I believed you up to a point. Then he isn't a private detective after all. No, Denny. That telegram I received this morning, the one about which you were so curious, came from the Acme Insurance Company in answer to an inquiry of mine. They had no detective trailing Adams, not even one named Monaghan. Well, then who is he? Roberts. That's who I am, Al Roberts. Roberts? Evelyn Roberts. Chris Adams' former partner, the one who fell to her death. The one they murdered, my sister. They lied. The cops, all of them, they lied. He murdered her. I'll get him. I'll get him yet. As usual, sir, I'm surprised at the outcome. How did you know that Monaghan, or rather Roberts, was the killer? I didn't. I was just curious as to where he fitted in this case. But what prompted you to check on him in the first place? Just a hunch, Denny. And also his philosophy of sitting and waiting for a killer. What do you mean, sir? A good detective just doesn't sit and wait for things to happen. Who, on the contrary, sir, I consider you the finest of detectives. Thank you, Denny. And I was about to suggest after we deliver Roberts here to the police, that you join me in some sitting and waiting. Denny, what are you talking about? The big top over there, sir. Hmm? I suggest that we sit down peacefully in the stands in the big top and quietly wait for the circus to begin. I'll be back in a moment to tell you about next week's story. This is the Old Time Radio Hour on Sid Valley Radio. A mysterious phone call arouses my curiosity. And so Denny and I are off on a strange story that begins with a stabbing and ends in murder. I call this story The Deadly Stand-In. Be sure to listen, won't you?
the Abbott and Costello program. Listen to the music of Freddie Rich and his orchestra, the songs of Connie Haynes, Billy Gray as Little Matilda, the famous cartoon character Bugs Bunny, tonight's guest, Metro-Golden-Mayer star of Marriage is a Private Affair, Miss Lana Turner, and starring Bud Abbott and Luke Costello. This way for the Abbott and Costello Show. Tickets, please. See the Abbott and Costello Show? Really, folks, it's a good show. Won't somebody please come in? Come on in, you cowards! <laughs> okay, okay, Ken Niles. Why, it's Bud Abbott. Hello, Bud. Oh, hello, Mr. Abbott. Welcome back. Thanks, Mrs. Niles. Listen, have either one of you seen Costello? He was supposed to meet me here in the lobby, and it's almost time to start the broadcast. Personally, I don't care if Costello never shows up. All last season, he did nothing but insult me. But, Mrs. Niles, don't tell me you're carrying a grudge for, for a year. Well, why not? I've got a sister I haven't spoken to in 20 years. And Costello reminds me of my sister, except for the mustache. But Costello hasn't got a mustache. No, but my sister has. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's final. You can't come in here. Hey, Let Ken! Go. Let go! Hey, Let Ken! Go. I gotta get it. Ken! Ken! Look who it is! Huh? What? What is it? Look who it is! Hey, Abbott! <laughs> <laughs> Costello, where have you been? Look at you. You're perspiring something awful. I ain't perspiring, Abbott. I just took a shower with my shirt, socks, and underwear on. You took a shower with your shirt, socks, and underwear on? What's the idea? Do you know a quicker way to get your laundry done? Oh. <laughs> Kenneth, did you hear that joke? Yes, dear. There will now be a slight pause for station fumigation. <laughs> oh, funny. Hey, Abbott, don't tell me that's Mr. and Mrs. Niles. Well, Mr. Costello, doesn't it look like us? I wasn't sure. I thought maybe I was getting sick again. <laughs> Costello, no fighting, please. It's, it's almost time. It's almost time to go on the air. Now, be... Oh, yeah. Ready to go on the air. That's right. I can hardly wait to get in front of that microphone. And also with Lana Turner. Hey, come on, Abbott, come on. Let's just get inside the studio. Minute, just a minute, Mr. Costello. Who are Costello. you, who are you, who are you? But I'm the manager, Fogel. You're what? I'm Fogel. What are you doing for it? <laughs> no, Mr. Costello, you don't understand. You've been a pretty sick young man, and we'd like to have the doctor check you over before you go into the studio. Are you kidding? I got out on the air. My public is waiting for me. Oh, I wouldn't worry about him. Oh, him? He's a nice guy. Hey, Abbott! Let me get that guy. No, 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 Costello, take it. We've got it. more than one. I know, but We've take... got three. All right, take it easy. <laughs> take it easy, please. Take it easy. Remember your blood pressure. Oh, there's nothing wrong with my blood pressure. When I was down in Palm Springs, I used to drill with the soldiers. Well, that's strenuous. Oh, I should hope to tell you. I did everything they did. I'd get up at Sunday morning, and I'd take a 20-mile hike, exercise for three hours, drill for three more hours, and then I'd get up Tuesday morning. What happened to Monday? <laughs> Wait a minute, what happened to Monday? What happened to Monday? Yeah. You should be so inquisitive. Yeah. Who got up Monday? Well, oh, I see. I didn't get up Monday. I can see that. Well, Mr. Costello, how about the physical examination? We can't let you in the studio without it. I tell you, there's nothing wrong with me, Poogle. No, 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 no. Poogle. Stop yelling, Costello. Watch your pressure. But do you see anything wrong with me, Abbott? Well, your legs look a little weak. They're bending way out. Oh, I can't help that. It's a long pull from my socks to my garter belt. <laughs> Start in the studio, 
Radio, Costello. We're going on the air. Okay, Niles. Come on, Abbott. Let's go. I've been waiting eight months to meet Lana Turner. Uh, just a moment, Mr. Costello. Now what? I'm from the insurance firm of Birch Bark and Canoe. I'm Birch Bark. Where's Canoe? He went up the river. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, every show must have a bad joke. This one is on us. Now, thank you. Now, look, mister, our program's going on the air, and we're in a hurry to get to the studio. Exactly why I'm here. Mr. Costello, in view of your long illness, the network has sent me over to check up on your insurance. They must be protected, you know. Now, how about some life insurance? No life insurance for me, brother. Why not? I took some out a couple of years ago, and nothing happened. No, no. <laughs> no, Costello, he means a policy. Are you interested in a straight life? A straight life? Yes. No, sir. I'd like to sneak out once in a while. Oh, I... <laughs> oh, but the payments on this policy, Mr. Costello, are very low. For instance, it's much higher in Canada. And do you know the premium in England? Sure. Churchill. <laughs> I mean, after all, it calls for it. Abbott, will you get this guy away from me? I'll miss the broadcast. No, shut up, Costello. Pay attention. All right, forget straight insurance. We also have 10-year endowment, 20-pay life, annuities, and health insurance with double indemnity. Now, what would you like to take out? Lana Turner. <laughs> oh, no, Costello, he's talking about something that'll be good for you in your old age. So am I. I... <laughs> now, look here, Costello. Let's pretend you're in an accident. What would you do if you lost a leg? Well, what I care? I got another one. <laughs> no, no. What do you think our company would give you for that leg? $250. Abbott, here's a guy, if I lose a leg, wants to give me $250. Yes, $250. You ever see anything like that before? $250. $250 for one leg. Yeah. I won't sell. I... <laughs> oh, you don't understand. Why, last year, my company gave over $1 million for broken legs alone. What did they do with all the legs? No. <laughs> Who did they give no, them No, 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 look, look, Costello, you, you don't Lake understand. Diamond? They don't do anything with them. Whatever happened to Lake Diamond? I don't know. Look, that's, that's a different party entirely. You don't understand. You see, listen, every time there's an accident, somebody gets paid off. For example, yesterday a man breaks his leg, he gets $500. Today, somebody breaks his neck, he gets 1000 I wonder who will hit the jackpot tomorrow. I... <laughs> Has nothing to do with the jackpot. Now, for instance, if I sprain both knees and break both ankles, I get $10,000. Or I can settle for $3,000 by waving both knees. How much do you get if you wiggle your ears? <laughs> hey, look, Abbott, I had enough of this. Now I want to get to my broadcast. Come on. Ah, Costello, you haven't had your examination yet. Get out of my way, Fugu. Yeah, uh, Costello, Costello, you're going in the wrong door. That's a oh, closet. That's a closet. Gosh, Fibber McGee. <laughs> in the orchestra with a modern treatment of an old favorite. Put your arms around me, honey.
Now I simply must put my foot down, Mr. Mr. Costello. You must be examined by the NBC doctor before you can be allowed in your studio. But what about my program, Fogel? Lana Turner's waiting for me. Oh, don't worry, Costello. You can prove you're all right. Anyway, he's a fine doctor. Oh, he is? Yes. What's his name? Dr. Jones. Ph.D., M.D.S., L.L.D. What school did you go to? That's a fine way to spell Jones. Oh. Okay. Ph.D., M.D.S., L.L.D. All right, all right, never mind. Spells Jones. Go on in, will, will you go in, please? Okay. Uh, Dr. Jones, this is Mr. Costello. He's been very sick for a long time, and he must be examined before we can let him in the studio. I'll be right back. Yes, certainly, Fogel. Now, Mr. Costello, take off your coat, vest, tie, shirt, undershirt, socks, shoes, and suspenders. Uh, do you mind if I leave the hair on my chest? <laughs> Costello, quiet. Go ahead, Dr. Jones. Now, open your mouth, Costello. Wider. 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 Hmm, my brother would like to see that. Abbott. Is he a doctor? No, he's looking for an apartment. <laughs> I think I got things mixed up. <laughs> hey, Abbott, come here. That guy's no doctor. Oh, no. What do you mean he's no doctor? That's my line, please. <laughs> and by the way, yes, what do you mean by saying that? Thank you. I knew I heard that someplace before. Yeah. You know, I don't see his thermometer. I don't see his stethoscope. I don't see Lana Turner. What's Lana Turner got to do with it? Nothing. I'd just like to see her. Oh. <laughs> I resent this, Mr. Costello. What am I, stupid? A dope? A moron? Try numbskull. What am I, a numbskull? <laughs> I like stupid better. <laughs> Costello, stop that. Continue with the examination, Doctor. Very well. Now, Mr. Costello, just hold still and I'll listen to your heart. My, that's strange. Your heart sounds like a clock. Good heavens. The alarm rang at eight. I can't understand it. Neither can I, Doc. I set it for seven. <laughs> Costello, we talk sense. Dr. Jones is a Johns Hopkins man. So what? My father sent me to Wilson. Well, well, what words? <laughs> My father sent me to Wellesley. <laughs> Wellesley is a girls' school. I know. My father always wanted me to have the things he didn't have. <laughs> Come in. Oh, doctor, 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 can I do it now? Yeah, just go ahead, Miss Cruzby. Uh, lay that pistol down, babe, lay that pistol down. A pistol packing, mama. Right. Yeah, lay yeah. that pistol yeah, yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Yeah, yeah. That's enough for that. What was on here? Oh, I'm the poor show. The doc can't afford magazines. <laughs> John's other wife. Are you kidding? John's other wife? Yes. Who are you? Who am I? Yeah. I'm John. <laughs> Get me out of here! Now that's the last straw. Everything happens to me. Doctors and shorts men, John's other wife, Google. I'll never make the program. Over here at well, I came over to see your program, fellas. Uh, I get tired of eating carrots. I like a little corn once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny for a rabbit. <laughs> you like it, Doc? You know, we could make a great team. Rabbit and Costello. Uh, 
Costello. Say, he's pretty cute, Costello. Uh, why don't we keep him around? Sure, Doc. I can be your bread and butter. Yeah, but who wants a hair in his butter? <laughs> Come on, Abbott. We're wasting time. Now, don't leave me, fellas. I'm feeling very sad today. What's wrong? Well, I broke up with my girl, Doc. We was going steady. Every day I used to bring her a carrot car charge. And boy, did we have fun. We'd gamble over the fields together, play hopscotch and check up on the victory gardens. But it's all over, fellas. I guess we were just never meant for each other. Why not? She was a gopher. <laughs> now listen, Bugs, will you stop annoying me? All I want to do is to get into the studio. Well, why didn't you say so, Doc? Look, all you have to do is go through that door, turn left, turn right, go two miles over the skyway, three miles over the byway, then six miles down the highway, and before you know it, you'll see Lana Toyner taking a sunbath on a patio. But that ain't my studio. I know, Doc, but that's living. <laughs> hey, Abbott, will you do something? Do what? Look. Uh, Abbott, Abbott, Rabbit, what's the difference? Look, Abbott, Rabbit, Matt, Abbott, will you get him out of here? Oh, give me a break, Doc. Let me hang around your program and pick up a few nickels, huh? I'm a family man. By the way, Bugs, how do you stand in the draft? Well, they just reclassified me 1A. And I got 480 kids. Wait a minute. Just a minute. They wouldn't put you in 1A if you got 480 kids. I'm a rabbit, Doc. They came after Pearl Harbor. <laughs> Dottie Haynes back with us again. She sings the new rhythmic hit. They're either too young or too old. You marched away and left this town as empty as can be. I can't sit under an apple tree with anyone else but me. For there is no secret lover. That the draft board can't discover. They're either too young or too old. They're either too gray or too grassy green. The pickings are poor and the crop is any gravy, the gravy in the navy, they're either too old or too young. So darling, you never get stung. Tomorrow I'll go hiking with that eagle scout and left. I get a call from Grandpa for a snappy game of chess. I'm finding it easy to take it at school. They're either too young or too
And now back to Abbott and Costello, who are still having trouble getting into the studio. Oh, boys. Oh, boys, wait a minute. Oh, Fogel. That's an understatement. I have some very good news for you, Mr. Costello. You can go on the air now. Your basal metabolism is impeccable, while your hemoglobin content is rich in hypothyroidism, and your capillaries are simply pulsating. Now, listen, brother. Watch your language. I got my mother's picture in my pocket. Oh, will you stop that, please? Mr. Fugel means the doctor has given you an okay to broadcast. Come in the studio. And keep quiet. The program's on. Okay. Oh, my darling Lana, come into my arms. Kenneth, my dear, I love you madly. Hey, Abbott! That Niles is playing my part! <laughs> yes, and look who the girl is. Lana Turner. All right, Niles, come on, break it up, break it up. Oh, just a moment. Uh, Mr. Niles and I are playing a love scene. That Niles is no lover. Oh, yeah? I've kissed women who wouldn't look at you. Oh, yeah? I've kissed women who wouldn't look at me either. <laughs> Costello, will you stop fighting? I'm not fighting, Abbott. Now, listen, Niles. On this program, you take care of the announcing. Period. And you take care of the comedy. Question mark. <laughs> Why, Niles, I'll... Oh, please. They don't even let me finish a line! Please, I appeal to you as a woman. Well, if you're going to appeal to me as a woman, of course. If you were a man, you wouldn't appeal to me. (laughs) At all. All right, all right. I'm sorry, Miss Turner. Please forgive Costello. He's a little impulsive. Repulsive? No, no. He said impulsive. I-M-P-U. Well, we all have our (laughs) trouble. Now, listen, you wouldn't talk that way, Lana, if you saw my last picture. Oh, you mean the one where you were on the ice? That's the one. What did you think of it? (laughs) You certainly kept well. (laughs) Hey, Abbott, watch this girl. All quiet. Come on, Costello. This is where we're supposed to do a love scene. Abbott, I didn't know you cared. Well, I do, Lou. Ah, never mind that. You want to do a love scene with me? No, 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 no. Let's pick out the furniture. Will you keep quiet, please? (laughs) No remarks. I mean a love scene with uh, Lana... That's way back. Listen. <laughs> Lou. Lou, this might be interesting to you. I'm talking about a love scene with Lana Turner. Oh, I just adore love scenes. Are you ready, Mr. Niles? Mr. Niles? You heard that, Costello. She wants me. <laughs> you see, Lana, since I put Niles on his program, success went to his head. Mm, from where I'm standing, it looks like success went to your stomach. <laughs> Did you hear that, Abbott? What an insult. Oh, she's right, Costello. You are fat. Well, I may be a little fat on the outside, but underneath, I'm solid flab. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, Niles. Get on with the love scene. Yeah, but what about me? Oh, you. You can play a love scene with uh, Mrs. Niles. I heard that, and I'd love to play a love scene with you, Mr. Costello. Don't call me Costello. Call me Dick Tracy. <laughs> oh, that's silly. Why should I call you Dick Tracy? So I can call you Pruneface. <laughs> Uh, did you get that ad lib, Lana? <clears throat> That's what put me on the top of the ladder. Yes, and your audience is at the bottom, daring you to come down. <laughs> well, Costello, I'm waiting. So is your broom. Why don't you fly out of here? <laughs> now, that's not nice, Costello. Mrs. Niles has some very fine points. Yes, she certainly has. 
For instance, Costello, take her hair. Okay, throw it over here. I, uh... <laughs> oh, I don't know what's wrong with you, Costello. You, you fight with everybody. I can't help it, Abbott. Oh. All those months that I was sick, I was thinking about doing this love scene with Lana Turner. And now she won't even talk to me. Oh, don't feel that way, Lou. The truth is, I dream about you. I dream about you every night. You do? Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. Do you think I can sue Ovaltine? <laughs> I get it, darling. Oh, yeah, all right, all right, never mind, you get it. Ovaltine. Yeah, you heard her. We're working for Camel Cigarettes. Never mind that. <laughs> Ovaltine. All right, a little extra change. Oh, we'll get a case. All right, look. Look, come on. Let's... Let's get to the play. All right, Mr. Rich, let's have some music to put Costello in the mood. Ken, set the scene. And make it snappy, Niles. The scene is an old castle in England. It is the 16th century when hearts were brave and knighthood was in flower. The night is still, and Lady Lana stands on the balcony awaiting her lover. She has been waiting anxiously, longingly, patiently, hopefully. Come on, Niles, get with it, get with it, get with it, faster, faster, faster. And why not? I can't wait much longer, come on. She hasn't seen her lover in a fortnight. Ah, each minute seems like an hour. You forgot the seconds. Each hour seems like a day. Each day, each day like a week. Each week, like a month. Each, each year. Each month, like a, like a year. Each year. Each year, this like This is a, only uh, a half hour program. <laughs> now get with it. Oh, but Lou, he's putting you in the mood to kiss me. I've been in the mood for eight months, kid. <laughs> Abbott, never mind, Niles. You set the scene. Okay, Lou. The stillness of the night is suddenly broken. Now, this guy will set it fast. <laughs> suddenly broken by the sharp clatter of horses' hooks. Where does the horses come from? The lovely Lana's eyes light up. Her lover is riding into the courtyard on his white charger. Ah, white charger. I don't charge nothing. I pay everything cash. <laughs> he leaps from his horse and starts to climb up to her balcony. Hand over hand. Hand over hand. Two hands over hands. One foot up. The other foot up. Come on, get me up, Mabbitt. Hurry up. Then one hand up. Then the other hand it's up. It's gonna be too late. Now get me up. Inch by inch. Foot by foot. Yard by yard. Get me up there, will you? I want to kiss the dame. But, Lou, what's your hurry? There's plenty of time. Not for me, kid. I'm in 1A. <laughs> All right. Finally, you reach Lady Lana's side. And the play begins. A play of love. Emotion. An adventure. Without music. Ah, Lady Lana, 
I love you. I kiss you. Oh, or kiss not... me, one or the other. But not here, my lover. Why not? Love is paramount. Love is universal. Oh, you're out of luck. I work for MGM. Some plug, hey, Lion? Ah, <laughs> oh, come on, Lana. I've been waiting eight months for this. All right, Lou. You can kiss me. This is spike work. <laughs> Hello. Mr. Costello, this is Fugle. No kissing in our studio. Kissing spreads germs. Not me. I kiss so hard, I kill him. <laughs> Costello, will you quit fooling around? Who's fooling around? All I want to do is kiss Lana Turner. Oh, come on, Lana. Will you please kiss me? Well, all right, Lou. Now, if you'll just close your eyes, I'll have a big surprise for you. Okay. My eyes are closed. Oh, boy, I can hardly wait. Lon Turner's gonna kiss me. Now, keep your eyes closed. They're closed. Here's the surprise. Are you eating carrots, Lana? <laughs> Lana who, Doc? I'm first. And I'm nuts when you get me out of here. We send our thanks to the Yanks of the Week, Americans who have distinguished themselves for heroism in the battle area. To Captain H.D. Maxwell of Pink Hill, North Carolina, and the entire crew of his Liberator bomber who turned their big four-engine B-24 into a fighter plane when they saw two German Focke Wolf heavy bombers attacking an allied convoy in the Atlantic. While the huge enemy planes were making their bomb runs on the ships, Captain Maxwell and his men attacked with machine guns. And though cannon and machine gun fire from the enemy wounded every man aboard the Liberator, they shot down one German plane and probably destroyed the other before they themselves crashed in flames. Our airmen were rescued by ships from the convoy they had saved. We salute you and your crew, Captain H.D. Maxwell. And now, here's Bud Abbott with a final word. Thanks, Ken. Ladies and gentlemen, now that our program is over and we have done our best to entertain you, I would like to take a moment to pay tribute to my best friend and to a man who has more courage than I have ever seen displayed in the theater. Tonight, the old expression, the show must go on, was brought home to all of us on this program, more clearly than ever before. Just a short time before our broadcast started, Luke Costello was told that his baby, one-year-old Tamara, had died. In the face of the greatest tragedy which can come to any man, Luke Costello went on tonight so that you, the radio audience, would not be disappointed. There's nothing more that I can say except that I know you all join me in expressing our deepest sympathy to a great trooper. Good night. The Old Time Radio Hour will be back next Sunday at 4 o'clock. We hope you can join us here on Sid Valley Radio.